0: How do you and i find the will of god how do we make decisions on what basis how do we know what god wants when it comes to the will of god there are two main approaches to finding the will of god in the professing church one of them is biblical and i'm going to suggest one is not the first view is the charismatic view it's really a view based on The Lord supposedly leaving breadcrumbs along the way for you to follow. And he has left those things or is leaving those things so that you find the will of God that way. For instance, you might have a couple of job offers in certain cities. Let's say two different cities. One in Seattle, Washington. Another in Miami, Florida. And the breadcrumb, the charismatic view is you need to, rather than think about the decision, follow the breadcrumbs. As you turn on the television and you see a commercial, do you see a commercial about Seattle, Washington and its coffee, or Miami, Florida? Uh, come to Miami, the beaches are wonderful. That's the first clue. The Lord is leaving you clues along the way. Pick up on the clues, follow the breadcrumbs. Eventually, you'll get to what He wants you to get to. That's the view. It's based on visions, dreams, hunches. So, that's one view, and it's a view I really had as a charismatic. I believe the Bible was God's Word, but I had an insufficient view of the Bible. Looking back, I believe that I also needed something other than the Bible to know the will of God. And when it comes down to it, that is the view. The Bible's not enough. It's good you have it. In fact, every decision you make should be based on Scripture, but you also need something outside the Bible. You need to ask God for a vision, a word, a special word, a dream. And what is the peace you have on the inside of you? That really is the view. There's a lot we could say about that, but I think I've summed up the view. The second view, which I believe is the biblical view, is the Bible's enough. And it stems from, it flows out of our view of Scripture in the Reformed community, those churches that are based on what the Lord did at the Reformation bringing the Word of God to the people one of the solas of the Reformation was Sola scriptura and you've heard it I'm sure the Bible alone is the Word of God Sola is the word in Latin for alone and the doctrine is this only the Bible speaks for God only the Bible is God speaking the Bible alone is the Word of God and therefore it is the sole ultimate authority in the life of the church and in the life of the Christian. Now, this is not a Bible study on Sola Scriptura. That would be a wonderful Bible study, and we've done it many different times and in various different venues. The doctrine of Sola Scriptura comes out of the fact that when you understand what scripture is only scripture has the authority to bind the conscience do you remember Martin Luther in 1521 at the Diet of Worms when he was summoned to give an account and really summoned to recant his writings he uh, in a nutshell came up with this wonderful expression unless I'm convinced by sacred scripture or by evident reason. I will not, I cannot recant. For my conscience is held captive by the word of God. And to act against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. God, help me. Scripture, when we understand what it is, is the highest court of appeal for our faith and our practice nowhere besides the scripture can we find God's voice today that's because the Canon is closed the 66 books of the Protestant Canon 39 in the Old Testament 27 in the new this is the word of God every preacher should be able to say as he opens up and reads the scripture ladies and gentlemen this is the Word of God it's different from anything else there is nothing like it only the Bible is the Word of God and when we understand sola scriptura we understand if we understand it correctly biblical sufficiency the Bible contains all that we need for life and for godliness and godly decisions so when it comes to the will of God we're called upon to make godly decisions we need no other source we need no other special revelation in addition to scripture and that's the case because that's what the bible teaches in second timothy chapter 3 verse 14 let's read 2nd Timothy 3 verse 14 turn in your Bibles if you have one to that passage 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 Paul writes this to Timothy but as for you continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus just stopping there for a moment Paul told Timothy you've got the sacred writings you've had them since childhood and they're not unable to they are able to give you knowledge make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus it's not a fuzzy thing it's not something that only elite theologians can understand no the scriptures are clear on the matter of salvation how to be saved they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus don't don't buy into the lie that scripture's not enough and you need uh, help in this matter you, 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 you it's great to have help from folk who are further along the way in the way of the lord but just having scripture if that's all you have you've got enough timothy and you've known it from childhood you've got enough to be very certain of the will of God regarding salvation and how to be saved the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation how is that through faith in Christ Jesus that's how we're saved we're justified by faith alone verse 16 all scripture is breathed out by God Greek word is theotenpneustos, God breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, one translation reads. I believe a better translation is the one I'm reading now, ESV. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is God breathed. It's on another level to anything else. Anything all scripture is breathed out by God. We can't say that about the greatest classics in the Christian faith. You can't say that about Augustine's Confessions book. You can't say that of Martin Luther, The Bondage of the Will. You can't say that about some Christian sermon. That was inspired, breathed out by God on the same level as scripture. No way only the scripture is the word of god and all scripture is breathed out by god now when this was written by paul the entire new testament was not yet written it was being written in fact second timothy 3 verse 16 was written before second timothy 3:17 it might have been a few seconds later that verse 17 came although There are no verse divisions in the original text but you know what I mean he was writing what is the content of verse 17 after verse 16 and certainly chapter 4 is written after chapter 3 by Paul it's not talking about the extent of Scripture it's talking about the nature of Scripture look at verse 16 all scripture is it's talking about what scripture is it's nature in other words Timothy wherever you find scripture if it is scripture it's breathed out by God it's on a whole different level from anything else out there all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable we could say and therefore profitable (laughs) for teaching that means things to teach doctrine for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That, we could say, so that, here's the purpose, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Anything you need, Timothy, Scripture gives it to you. Anything you will need, scripture will give it to you and then in very much a logical progression chapter 4 the very next verse verse 1 says this I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom in other words under the gaze of God knowing that this Lord Jesus will judge the living and the dead and he's coming and he has this kingdom. What a so- solemn set of statements this is. I charge you under the gaze of God, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, what? Preach, herald the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort and com- with complete patience. And teaching well there's so much in this passage but looking back at verses 16 and 17 look at verse 17 that the man of God may be complete John Calvin has commented on this phrase complete and it's he said it means to be one in whom there is nothing defective nothing defective you've got everything you need and you've got Everything, everything necessary for your ministry. There's nothing defective, there's nothing left out. That's what the scripture says about itself. So, I want to ask you do you believe that? Because if the Bible is sufficient, it's sufficient for guidance as well as everything necessary for ministry. So, in the counseling room, If Timothy or any man of God has a couple in front of them and they're faced with a decision, is the Bible enough? Or would Timothy be right in saying, go home and look for the breadcrumbs. See what the Lord says to you in a dream. No, the Bible's enough. And Timothy, you've been given enough. And the context here is Paul's about to leave planet Earth and he knows it chapter 4 we've just read certain verses uh the first couple of verses well verse 6 says i'm out of here Uh, i'm already being poured out as a drink offering the time of my departure has come i fought the fight i finished the race i've kept the faith and so he goes on so the context is paul saying i'm out of here i'm about to go to my reward In fact, verse 8 says that. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. He knows he's going to his reward and quickly. But he's departing the scene. And what is he leaving with Timothy? Well, what he doesn't do is say, well, you know, Peter's the first pope, of course. You know, here's his address if you've got any further questions he'll speak authoritative words from god no 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 timothy timothy i don't believe peter was the first pope anyway (laughs) but timothy you've got the word you've had it from childhood and it's enough for everything you'll face in ministry that's the message note the progression of logic here nature the nature of scripture what is it it's God breathed material nothing else out there is like it and all of Scripture is it whenever you find Scripture you have God breathed material that nature of Scripture leads to the authority of Scripture it alone can bind the conscience it alone has the authority of God himself the declaration of a Pope the declaration of any man doesn't come near to it let God be true every man a liar the Bible says not most men every only the Scripture has the authority to bind the conscience so the nature of Scripture leads us to an understanding of the authority of Scripture and if we understand those two things we are led to the third item the sufficiency of Scripture It is written it is written it is written that's where jesus went when tempted by the devil quoting the book of deuteronomy in matthew 4 verse 4 he said man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god that's what scripture is words that proceed out of the mouth of god Steve Lawson once said this when the Bible speaks, God speaks inerrantly, infallibly, and powerfully. That's true about the Bible. It's not true about what happens between our ears, thoughts we have, visions we might have. Justin Peters, let me quote him I'm not sure, but I think the Lord just spoke to me, said no one ever in the Bible. <laughs> Jim Osmond if God is not speaking you are not gonna hear him if God is speaking you're not gonna miss him that's right again to quote Justin Peters if you want to hear God read the Bible if you want to hear God audibly read it out loud (laughs) that's funny but it's so true the Bible is God speaking to us Let's go to First Thessalonians chapter four. And again, the theme is: How do we know the will of God? First Timothy. Uh, excuse me. First Thessalonians. It's actually before Timothy. All the Ts are together. First and second Thessalonians. First and second Timothy. Then Titus. Go to the beginning of the Ts. First Thessalonians chapter four. And look with me. Uh, at verse 3 and here we've got a lot of help from God regarding guidance knowing the sufficiency of Scripture we read verse 3 for this is the will of God all right stopping there for a moment pausing there for a moment shouldn't our ears prick up when we hear a statement like this how do I know the will of God God declares for this is the will of God Oh well praise the Lord God in his word is telling us how to know his will how do we know his will well what do we have here do we have the breadcrumb view or do we have something else well let's keep reading for this is the will of God your sanctification that's it yeah that's it you see if all you had was a bible you have all you need that's the doctrine of sola scriptura that's the doctrine of the sufficiency of scripture think about that meditate on that this is the will of god your sanctification well what does that mean you being set apart to God that's what sanctification is all of us have the sanctifier on the inside of us if we're a Christian we have the Holy Spirit he's the Holy Spirit who works on the inside of us to make us more holy that's the sanctification process and that process is an ongoing commodity in the life of the true believer the Holy Spirit brings forth the fruit of his abiding presence known as the fruit of the Spirit love joy peace patience and so on the nine fruit as listed in Galatians chapter 5 and as we see fruit in our lives we are being more and more sanctified as we see more and more of the fruit of the abiding presence of the holy spirit if someone dives into water there will be results such as they will be wet (laughs) that's an obvious statement isn't it well if someone has the holy spirit there'll be fruit of the fact that he's on the inside the fruit of the spirit is love you love people you didn't love before maybe you were born and raised well you weren't born with it but you were raised with prejudice your mom your dad had a prejudice against certain people from a certain nation or certain skin color and you realize all of that's got to go now i'm in christ because the fruit of the spirit is love and you love people you wouldn't have loved before fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace all of these wonderful fruit of the Holy Spirit and someone with prejudice who continues in their prejudice you got to question whether the Holy Spirit's on the inside of him wouldn't you ask that if someone says they're a Christian then he just says I just cannot handle cannot stand people from name the country I can't stand people with this skin color what? That's foreign to the abiding influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breaks down these man-made walls. Here's the will of God for your and my life. Sanctification. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. Now, if we've got a charismatic view the breadcrumb view you know what we're going to say to this that's nice that's good that's that's good i agree with that except i need more than that well if you need more than that you actually don't agree with that because that is all the bible says on this this is the will of god your sanctification as we keep reading the apostle paul relates sanctification to the physical body and the issue of sexual immorality look at this for this is the will of god your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor and not in the passion of lust like the gentiles who do not know god That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the lord is an avenger in all these things As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you for god has not called us for impurity but in holiness therefore whoever disregards this disregards not man but god who gives his holy spirit to you beautiful words we could spend an entire series of messages and talks on the content of what we've just read, but let's get the big point: the will of God is your my sanctification. Here, it's applied to the issue of sexual morality, and yet this applies to everything else, every other decision, everything else in life. When it comes to your sanctification, your sanctification includes what you do with the physical body and it includes everything else your sanctification is huge you see if you believe well sanctification that's that's helpful but i need more than that as a word from god again if that's your attitude if you believe that then you don't really believe sola scriptura And you need a Bible study on that because the Bible teaches Sola Scriptura. (laughs) Well, Pastor John, don't you believe God speaks to us today? Is that what I'm hearing? (sighs) Of course I believe God speaks to us today. He's speaking all the time in and through and by His Word. So, those two approaches the breadcrumb view the charismatic view versus the sola scriptura view the word is enough the sufficiency of scripture view when it comes to finding a church how do we find a church well find a church nearest the word as paul washer said rather than the church nearest to you in location find a church that's nearest to the bible And it might be that you have to drive 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I remember being in England and my home church was 112 miles from my house for a time, for a whole year, uh, before I moved to the United States. That's what I did. I drove 112 miles there and 112 miles back every Sunday, not because I was a hero, but That was my home church. That's where I knew I needed to be planted, and that's what I did. It was no big deal. Don't think I'm a hero for it. No. A church alive is worth the drive. (laughs) So find a church that will cause you and your family to be sanctified. Why? For that is the will of God for you. Perhaps you're faced with a decision about whether or not you move to a certain city. Let's give you this as a scenario. Three job opportunities in three different cities. Which one should I take? Well, the breadcrumb view would say, well, if it's Seattle, if it's somewhere in Wisconsin, or if it's in Florida, let's let's just stop and see over the next week What kind of dreams we have. See if we have a vision of something. As we turn on the television, are there commercials for Seattle or Wisconsin? Visit Wisconsin. Oh, that's it. That's it. I've seen that four times in the last three days. I turned on, I'm just watching the news, but commercials for Wisconsin keep coming. up. Okay, that's God speaking to me. That's God's... Is it are you sure you see when you understand as jim osman made it very clear in his quote when god is speaking god is speaking and if you're not sure he's speaking guess what he's not speaking (laughs) here's what i believe we should do research each of the different cities now, it's good that you might have more of a financial incentive in one of the cities rather than the other. And that can be a factor. God could be blessing you that way. But my warning is this don't take the job with the highest financial reward if there's no biblical church within driving distance. I remember a couple who had a daughter and there was two or three universities that she could go to do you know do you know they actually flew to the three different university towns to check out the churches before they said yes as to where their daughter should go and they found a place a university with a good local church very very close i thought i have never heard such things in all israel (laughs) i've never heard such things i thought that's godly it cost them some money but this is life and death and everything this is more important than anything else what is the sanctification of their daughter i believe that's a godly decision we don't think that way but we should which city has a biblical church within driving distance on the opposite end i know of a couple who shall be nameless who moved to a town where there was only a few houses because they had a dream and in the dream if i remember correctly the dream had a house with red carpets and online they saw a house for sale in a certain city with red carpets there there it was that's all they needed well they moved to that house and guess what there wasn't a church within driving distance but they were sure they were in the will of god and they couldn't understand it we've moved to this place and there's no church We thought in coming here there'd be a church well you didn't bother to find out if there was one and they're in such a remote place that they're miles and miles and miles away from a biblical church and two years after moving there they were still not in a church do you know what they were out of the will of God the breadcrumb view takes you out of the will of God not into it far better to find a house with blue carpets (laughs) then find a house with a red carpet without a biblical church nearby why your sanctification depends on you finding a good local church oh you're saying that because you're a pastor I'm saying that because I believe my Bible you and I need the local church Christianity is not a solo expedition it's a community project praise the Lord do you believe God speaks to us today yes all the time in and through and by his word so believing the sufficiency of the word we make decisions and a godly decision is one that will enhance your and my and our families sanctification that ladies and gentlemen is a godly decision that makes our decisions godly when we say now what will be the most sanctifying decision we could make right here that makes a decision moral making the decision as a husband for the husband-wife team making a decision as a father for the family lead by making moral choices the opposite of that is the breadcrumb view. Well, what did you guys pick up? What kind of dreams have you had? You see, when we stand before the Lord, I don't believe he's going to say, "Didn't you pick up the breadcrumb things I left behind? Weren't you super spiritual enough, sensitive enough to to see my leadings?" I don't think that's going to become something he brings up I think what we're gonna do when we stand before the Lord is stand before him regarding the moral decisions we made not whether or not or not we were spiritually sensitive enough rather than the Lord being sad that you couldn't follow the breadcrumbs he was leaving for you to find his will I believe he asks, why did you do this why did you say this why did you make that decision when it would take you outside of what would sanctify you. Let me quote Martin Luther. From the beginning of my reformation, I have asked God to send me neither dreams, nor visions, nor angels, but to give me the right understanding of his word, the Holy Scriptures. For as long as I have God's word, I know that I am walking in his way, And that I shall not fall into any error or delusion let's pray father thank you for our time together how simple it is this is the will of God your sanctification help us to make sanctification a priority as we look to the Word of God and the Word of God alone as we make decisions Help us in this and be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.